All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Terence T. Rex McKinney. Terence is a professional fighter from Spokane, Washington. He trains at Warrior Camp Gym, located within Spokane. He was a standout high school wrestler. He would go on to wrestle at Chadron State College in Nebraska and North Idaho College. McKinney would have a scary encounter with death, his heart stopping two times after injuring himself on a bad mix of drugs and alcohol. This happened in 2015, when he was just 20 years old. He's since changed his life around and has now become a professional fighter chasing his dreams. McKinney would find himself in a matchup with Son Sniper Woodson on Dana White's Contender Series when he first started and where he lost a flying knee technical knockout in the second round. Terence said in the events leading up to this that five years ago he had overdosed and died twice. Two years ago he had made it to the UFC Contender Series and lost. That three weeks ago he made his UFC debut and has now set a world record. Don't let mistakes and losses define you, he says. Every day is a new chance to be a better than you were. He now has the fastest knockout in lightweight UFC history and is building towards becoming a legend in the sport. And in this interview, we discuss how he changed his life from infamy to fame, not letting your past define you and using your present to make a better future, how you can change your life right now and chase your own dreams, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an absolute honor to have somebody like you. You've, you've made a major transformation in your life. I mean, you know, you've gone from near death to becoming a badass in the UFC. But for people who maybe don't recognize the name, could you give a quick introduction and why you're going to be a legend soon? Uh, you guys, it's Terrence McKinney, and I hold the fastest knockout in the lightweight division of the UFC. And it's a pleasure to be on this podcast, man. I'm excited to get these questions going. I love it, man. I love it. So, how did you start? Because you you were a, like a wrestler in college. Um, how did you start getting initially into sort of MMA? Was that before you got into trouble, or was the MMA like a sort of relief valve for you to get you know to get training yeah. and go on the right path? Yeah, it was after um, I realized like what I want to do after I died. God showed me like in my trip like that I was supposed to fight, you know, and I saw, like, heaven and stuff. So I was, like, figured if I saw this fighting in my trip before I died, I said, I, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, you know? And how do you, you go from that to almost dying, to fighting four coppers, to knocking out a guy in seven seconds? That was amazing. You know, it's just all part of God's plan. Now, like, something that I used to embarrass about is, is out here changing people's lives for the better and, that just warms my heart, and it's just incredible to be in this position to, to help bring people closer to God. So how did you start sliding down that path? Because 
you just said you went to college, you got in with the wrong crowd. When did it go from, yeah, it's, you know, maybe a bad habit to, okay, I've maybe got a problem to, okay, I need to change my life. Was there a um, general slide? Uh, maybe when I got uh, put in the hospital um, for the second time due to drugs. And what can you remember from that point? Was it like, you know, was there a, a sign that you noticed at the time? Was it something like, because, I mean, I've got a strict mom, and, you know, she would have just ripped my balls off if I had done something like that, you know? <laughs> and you know, no, your she mom... was like that. I just finally got the freedom, you know, and I took advantage of it too much. No, it's very easy done, isn't it, when you go away and you get, like, to experience life on the other side, as we say. You yeah, know, plenty of plenty of young girls. A lot of drink about the place. So yeah, how did the police all kinds sca- of distractions? You know, <laughs> were you misbehaving back then? <laughs> I was. I was definitely all about trying to get to this party, and then just just my mindset was just all in the wrong places. You know. So what can you remember from like the actual incident itself? You know, how did you deal with the feelings and the, you know, how do you re- resonate with dying twice, being reborn, and taking your second chance, and now becoming a badass in the UFC? How how do you come to terms with that? And that do you you know do you deal with any regrets from it, or do you think that's the the path that you're on, and you needed to go through it to become the man you are today? Um, I think I definitely need to go through those trials. So. I could stop uh, looking for acceptance through my friends and finding love and peace in myself and fighting to help me do that. So how did you start getting that? Like, was there something that made you think, you know, I don't need it from an external source. I can get it from this internal source. I can, I'm all I need to be because a lot of guys struggle with that. It, exactly, you know, um, because I didn't grow up with a, what a father involves, you know, so I had to figure out what a man was to me, you know, it's, it's different for every other person, you know, because we all face different trials and little do we know, we all been through something that can probably relate to each other that could help us heal. So what I had to do is just, just get right with my family and uh isolate myself so I can find out who I was that way. I can be the most successful person I can be versus risking my life or ending up in jail. Because it's scary stuff, isn't it? Like when you're kind of saying, okay, I'm going to move aside. I'm going to leave that tribe of friends. You know, they might be like the worst batch ever or they might be great people. But it's, you know, to say, no, I'm going on my own journey. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to go and find that life for myself and you know you did an amazing transformation you know you should be immensely proud of so was there this spark or was it just a general feeling that just kept coming going nah that's not the life for me it was, was it were you in the hospital it was always in there you know um i was just more passionate about trying to be that cool guy instead of being that guy that's a leader that people can look up to. I was doing it all wrong, you know. Um, I was out here trying to be John Jones when I should be trying to be like GSP. I love I love the UFC analogy. So you mentioned not having a father figure growing up there. I mean, my dad wasn't exactly the most hands-on and very involved himself. What do you think that does to somebody as we're growing younger? Do you think we look for 
like gangs and other men to sort of fill that void? You know, do you think that's a dangerous thing, or how do you, how can you find mentors? It's just hard because you know you start resenting like uh, only people that try to tell you what to do, and it made it harder for me to realize like the stuff they were telling me was actually going to make me a better man in the future. You know, I had to humble myself and set my pride aside in the hurt and be willing to know that these guys are making example that you should be when you're a father someday, you know, and I had to figure that out. So do you think a problem is that a lot of men have their addiction, their drug use, whatever, you know, like their alcoholism becomes part of their identity, you know, it becomes their story. It's who they think they are and not a habit they can break. They actually think it's part of them and they don't realize they can make that change. Uh, yeah, because you start getting into a routine, uh, uh, you know, creating bad habits, you know. And, of course, you start thinking you're that guy because people are like, yeah, man, I'm going to be like, man, you're crazy, man. Hearing all that kind of stuff. You're a legend. You know, it's kind of makes them think like they're accepted, you know, instead of looking for acceptance from their family or in God, you know, they're looking for it at all the wrong places. And little do they know that they're trying to be like some other guy when really people want to be just like them. So how did you avoid like the lure of gangs and the, you know, like to continue down that path? Because it's a fun path when you're drinking every night, you know, you're you're with different girls and you know, you're doing all that kind of stuff. But how how did you avoid that kind of thing and go, oh I know, I wanna go get beaten up in jujitsu, I wanna wrestle, I wanna you know it's not a common thing to jump from drinking to MMA. Um just uh staying motivated to show people like that I'm not gonna let this event assign me. I'm better than what happened to me that night. And I wanted to show people that it's easy to give up, but it takes a real man to keep standing up and fighting because I could just gave up and kept doing the same thing. But I wanted better. I wanted to prove the doubters wrong who thought I was just going to end up dead in jail, you know, and it was and nothing's better than the bittersweet success, you know, no better revenge. So say if somebody that's not aware of the story, how how would you describe what happened? Could you give us a sort of like um overview of the, the actual situation, how you would go into that into that particular incident, you know, how did the police become involved and stuff, just to sort of set the scene? Um, I ended up like doing like three thousand dollars worth of damage to my these people's house and I was punching car windows and hitting fences down. So I was like completely out of my mind, just destroying stuff. So the cops even up being called and ended up getting tased a few times, wrestling with the cops for an hour and end up dying in the back of the ambulance. So it was just a crazy night that I never, ever wanted to experience again because that could have been the end of my career. I could have been in jail for like five years with felonies. So I just want to thank God for helping me get through all that uh, unscathed. It's an amazing change, man. When you watch the, you know, like the UFC video they did on you, to realize you went from rock bottom to, king, you know, king of the castle. How do you think 
like how did you start that stopping drugs was it cold turkey did you just take yourself complete like you said isolation or did you, you know, like relapse at all did you struggle to, to break um, those it, was, it was it was uh easy to get away from those other drugs because i know like but i still like smoking drink i was still going to school smoking and drinking you know but i knew i know i couldn't go past that because obviously i couldn't handle when i thought i could you know and i had to realize that do you think the the drugs were kind of replacing that feeling of, you know, you knew you were destined for something else, but you couldn't find that path. You weren't sure how to get onto it, so you were taking them as a kind of way to numb the the feeling that there was this amazing Terence, but you couldn't find how to get on that path. Uh, sort of, you know. And I just heard like sometimes you get a spiritual spiritual journey, so I just wanted to dabble with it a little bit, you know. And were you always spiritual? I mean, I noticed you've mentioned sort of God a lot in your interviews. You always give credit to like your spiritual side and your team, etc. But have you always been that, or was that part of your redemption journey, so to speak? It was always like part of me growing up being in church, but definitely more now, like spiritual, not like religious. Like I'm not saying I'm going to church every day, just like creating my own relationship with God. You know, uh, just being humble you know and eager to learn and just knowing that anything could be taken at the blink of an eye so i just take this all for a grain of salt and make sure i'm working twice as hard so i can build on this instead of living in living in the past because that's the thing it is like you we put these incidents as part of us you know though you say like oh i did this and then we beat ourselves up and you know it's that can be like the the jumping off stone to start your new path, you know, your new change. It doesn't define you. Like your past doesn't define you. It, you. You can make your own future. And you've gone and done that an amazing job of it. But do you ever struggle to stay on the, the right path? Or now are you just so devoted into your training that you, th- you know, you change one bad habit with a, another bad habit? Because <laughs> I do jujitsu and I'm always sore. I'm always beaten up, you know, but we, it's a strange habit to love. You know, do you think you're changing a bad habit with a good habit? Um, it's not that. It's just um, I'm just locked in, man. Like not only for myself, but I'm trying to do this for my family. You know, I'm fighting for a bigger person purpose. I'm fighting for the people who feel like they're alone or think they can't make it. If I can give them just a couple words to help them push through and be better, that's what I'm here to do. Not just fight, just change the world one person at a time because i loved your message where you were saying you wanted to help people you wanted to get other people who are going through that you know that journey that they realized they could make a change what advice would you give to people who are maybe starting on their own path just now and you know they're finding they're using they're drinking i mean i've went through that stage going to the pub every night you know hating it fed up of it and coming home hungover and just like i need more than this I just didn't know what to do. How can we? How would you advise people listening to kickstart that? I would say, um, quit telling yourself you're gonna do something, and why wait? Just start now. Like whenever that thought to your head, just start right there. Don't wait, man. Don't be afraid to reach out because that person right next to you might be going the same thing, and you guys can help benefit each other there. 
because you seem to have this amazing supportive family you know like it's your mom's always smiling she's super proud of you you know that the love and the warmth come across but your coaches and your you know your team seems to be also another family so what tips did you find works for finding a good gym for finding good coaches because the love between you and your coach seems to be like really you know really strong and you seem to be doing it as much for him as yourself yeah exactly at first like um i was looking for like the best biggest gym instead of um having a family you know someone that's gonna be there for you teams teammates just gonna push each other to get better on and off the mat like if you if you had a team, you're not hanging out with them. Is that really a team? A team should be a family, you know. You should know, like, if I ask this guy, they could stay. They can roll up to the gym with me. Like, you should have that kind of environment where you're like, oh, if I need a place to stay tonight, that's a teammate, man. That's just how I grew up, and I knew like what kind of coach I wanted after a few trials and error. You know, I just looked for a coach that was like my high school coach. This guy was a family, and it and I saw what it did to the team and made us a lot better because we connected we ride we died for each other you know so you were saying that um when you were younger you had wrestled do you think that's a great thing for guys to get into is the team sport dynamic it's the you know it gives you the brotherhood it gives you the physical outlet you know like wrestling jiu-jitsu whatever it is you know we should all get into some sort of level of combat sports or some physicality yeah, uh, or whatever sports you want, you know, just to create that bond, I think is good. It's good for social growth, and it just feels good to relate to someone, and and you get to feel cared for, and that's what a lot of people are missing, and you'll find that in your team, and there's gonna be memories that you'll never forget. And do you think that cross training has helped you become the fighter you are? You know, because you knocked out a guy in seven seconds, but you're also aware like a very successful wrestler. And then you've mentioned in other interviews where you've gone and done some jujitsu training because you didn't want to be left behind there. Do you think cross training the dis- different disciplines has helped you? You know, how do you keep evolving your skills the way you are? Uh, it's because I'm never satisfied with any of them because the sport's always evolving. And as long as you remember that and be eager to learn and never think you got something down, um, you're going to go very far in, in this fight game. So can you explain a little bit about your training? You know what I mean? Like, cause you must've had people texting and phoning you going, Oh, how dude, how did you do that? That was amazing. You know, how did you take what should have been a hard fight and make it look like it was just a warm-up act. Like, how did you go, how do you start training for that? You know, does your training change when you fight or when you're training like week in, week out? Or does it change when you approach your fights? Could you give a little sort of background into your general kind of training regime? Um, Like I tell people, um, my fight camp never ends until I have this belt. Um. I take my days off to recover my body heal, but I pretty much live in the gym, you know. That's just that's just what champions do, you know. You should always be fight ready. Like if I ever get a call, just just know I'm ready. Because I'm training every day for the belt and that camp never gonna end until I'm holding that and defending it. So where so, does that come from where's that intensity that motivation you know where like to go in every single day and give your all is is it now knowing that you're on the right path do you think it's more than that it's just 
that's just how I was raised. Like, why do something if you're not going to try to be the best at it, you know? And it's because I made my mom a promise, so I refused to let her down when she made a promise to me and she created a better life for me and my brothers. Uh, so I'm going to do the same thing for them. She laid the blueprint down and I know what it takes to be the best and I'm going to put that work in. She does seem a phenomenal woman and I love I love the passion she has for you and you know the way she's talking about you and, and like interviews and videos I've seen. So do you, when you go into training, how do you keep that longevity? You know, how do you do this amazing amount of, like, I mean, I did two and a half hours of jiu-jitsu last night and I'm feeling like I'm being hit by a bus. How do you do that training two sessions a day, MMA, endurance, running? What, um, what tips do you have? It's because I I just take my time recover. I like to use CBD product. You know, I set up uh ice bath. Just make sure you're taking your recovery and your nutri- nutrition and everything just as much as you take the training aspect of the fight game. Um, that's what I'll tell all the youngest fighters. Like, don't wait till you have the money. Do it now, you know. Be that professional fighter and you will become that professional fighter. Don't wait till you're in the UFC. Start now. So you think that's a good thing to, instead of taking the hobbyist viewpoint, think I'm an athlete, I need to yeah, look so after I'm myself. Yeah, I'm an athlete. That's how, you, that's how you have to come, and you will become that. Because I've seen you mention like suction cap therapy, massages, and things like that. Do you think that's a sort of recovery protocol that everybody needs to do to have the... Yeah, I think they should. Like, Just think about it. People are always saying, I don't know if I can afford that, but... Look, you're spending money on weed, girls, and stuff. Like, take that money and put it into your dreams. You know, no one said this is going to be free or easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it. So, so you got to be willing to make the sacrifices. And same way God made a sacrifice us, you got to be able to be willing to do the same for your dream. I love that. I love that outlook of just like, you know, it's like give up some small vices just now to get the future that you want. Exactly. Uh, so how do you like plan your week? You know, do you kind of go in and just do what the coaches say or are you going in and thinking I'm going to work on my striking? I'm going to go in and do my grappling this week or, you know, do you break down your weaknesses and look at your, or your strengths how much game tape do you look at the opponent? You know, how do you kind of start planning or do you just let your, your inner tenants come out and play? Um, I, I just listen to my coach, whatever they think I should work on, whatever combination they think that's going to get the job done in a fight. I trust that and I drill it religiously and, and I trust in God and I just do what I'm told, you know, at the end of the day, um, nothing's possible without a support team, you know, and that's what they realize. A lot of fighters think they can just do this on their own, but you got to be willing to pay your management and all them because without them, you ain't got time to do that if you're really an athlete training and doing all. So stay humble and know that those sacrifices will be worth it at the end of the day. I mean, you've got some great humility. You know, you you seem to always give thanks to everybody else and it's, you know, it's always a team thing rather than just yourself. And you can feel that humility you have for what got you there, your family, your gym family. Where does that come from, do you think? 
Um, it wasn't always easy because this it's hard to stay humble when you're out there winning. You're like, what is this coach really doing for me? Like, I'm putting this uh this gym on, but I had to realize like that's that's not cool to be thinking like that, man. That's prideful. None of this like these guys set me up to be able to train for free. Like they go out of their neck for me. Like I'm just like anyone else, and I had to realize that, you know. And God helped me get through all that pride stage and thinking I can do this on my own, you know. You can't heal on your own. You, you got to be able to talk your feelings out. That's the only way you're going to be able to heal. That's the only way you're going to be able to prove. You got to be willing to set your pride aside and know that we're all just regular people. So when you had the, when you were going through that whole addiction issue and, you know, you were giving up the, like, the substance abuse and stuff, did you ever go through therapy? Did you go and speak to a therapist or a counselor anytime? Yeah, I went to um, Riverside Recovery and I graduated from there. So, and I just finally set my pride aside and not think I'm better than those people there. Like, I didn't need no help. And like I said, setting your pride aside is a huge thing. And you you start to realize what people say was right, you know. Pride blinds a lot of people when you think you're right or you think you don't need help. Because I've done cognitive behavior therapy, you know, it's like the talking therapy, like um, to get through depression and OCD yeah. and things like that. And it's it's remarkable, isn't it, when you first start it, of how you don't want to share anything. You want to, you don't want to give anything to the stranger in a room, and uh, you don't want to tell the truth. You don't want to say how you truly feel. But for guys who are sitting there, you know, they've got the ego and they're thinking, "I'm not telling her that I'm feeling lonely or desperate or whatever it is." What advice would you give to those, you know, like wannabe gangsters, wannabe like tough guys and say to them, you know, be open, be honest, be vulnerable to make that change like you did? Yeah, it's just being willing to open up and be vulnerable, you know, it's hard, you know, but like I said, I said, tell people just give that hurt to God, you know, and he can heal you, man. Trust me. Yeah. I had to find my faith, you know, I lose it sometimes, but I always try to find my way back. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. So how would you advise people, say the ones who are not religious? Is there a way that you'd, have you had friends who've made that transformation as well, who have maybe not had the spiritual side yeah, man, because when they see in the blessings, they see what God's doing in my life, you know, and I told them, like, I was doing good, but as soon as I got prideful, start boasting myself, I stopped seeing success. As soon as I start giving to God the glory, you know, look, look how fast, like, my career escalating. Every time I'm seeing someone succeeding or at the highest level, they always giving things to God, you know, just look, look what God's doing. People like, look at Cooper Cup. They talked about how he said he put God first and now just do one of the baddest wide receivers in the NFL. You know, you can see it every time. 
I love it. I love how open and honest you are about things. But for those like listening, you know, do you think that's part of your? It's the fact that you're open to feedback. That you go into the coach and say, "Guide me." You know, tell me what I need to do. And you, you know, look at him and say, as a mentor, as the like a journeyman that's going to show you the path to go to the championship. Yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. I just listen to my coaches, you know, because they're gonna see the stuff I won't see because like I'm not looking for the same thing. Like I'm thinking just fighters wise. At the end of the day, it's just gonna be instinct out there. But that's what they show me. I need a game plan, and that's how we're. You guys seen me get these first round finishes because I'm willing to accept that just because I'm skillful don't mean I don't need help or I don't need a game plan because you see that don't you there's a lot of young fighters a lot of young uh, grapplers is they think oh I know it all yeah I've got a couple of wins who are you to tell me I'm just going to do my own thing and they don't realize it's they're a coach for a good reason exactly Um, they're like I don't need to be playing the gym for you you know I'm winning you know but that's not how you that's not what champions do man so can you give a little insight then? Like, how do you start preparing for your fights? Like, how do you start training? How do you start thinking, okay, you're coming up to a competition? You know, do you still get nerves? Do you have a mantra? Do you do, like, meditation away from it? Um, I just text on my phone. I like to not think about the fight at all until I'm in the cage. So that, if you watch all the best fighters, like, being composed, they're composed, you know, you see no worries, you see their heart rate control, they're calm, and that's kind of what I want to implement. I see what the best are doing, so I just implement that in my game. They're not focused on the fight, they're letting things come to them, and, and once they start out there and then they hit that bell, that's when the savage wakes up. That's awesome. How, and do you have that kind of like a beast mode kind of uh, button that you press? Well, just before the fight starts, are you thinking of a particular thing or do you just think, let's go and just let your creativity flow? that bill, we fireworks, baby. We <laughs> we drilled the combinations. I know what stuff to hit and we're going to work. We, we, drilled the, we drilled the timing. We trained with guys' height. There's no need to do no filling out for me, baby. As soon as that bell, bing, 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 just know I'm coming out there hot. Let's go. And is that what you do in training? You just keep on practicing the drills until a point I, where you can do it with your eyes closed? Yeah, exactly. I'm practicing combinations until and just until just muscle memory. Because that's what I think I've seen with a lot of top competitors. It's that moment of you fall back to the highest, the lowest point of your training. So if you've trained to the best of your ability, you know that in that pressurized situation, you're going to go in and become where your training has taken you, not the situation. You're going to fall into your training situation. So do you, is it just multiple rounds of like king of the mat, regular rounds of people? How do you keep this intensity, this level of skills? Um, Just... Uh... Doing my reps, like I said, I practice probably everything thousands of times when I'm at home, when I'm alone. Just being obsessed, you know. All the best people ask them, they become obsessed with their crafts. You got to be, that should be all you think about doing whatever it takes to be the best in all aspects of, aspects of the game. Whether that's media, whether that's fighting, whether there's press conference, how you talk, 
and just carrying yourself as a champion. Now, you had a couple of losses at the, at the start of your journey. How did you look at that as a learning curve and think? Because you went from a couple of losses on the trot. I think one was a doctor stoppage, and now you, you've gone to winning four in, a, four in a row in under two minutes. How do you stop thinking, oh, I'm, I'm a loser because I've lost, and instead you use them as sort of like you know fuel like juice to kind of go and go i'm gonna go and take the world by storm now yeah it's just fuel man wrestling preparing me for this thirst that was the time i was had six losses in a row wrestling man and then i end up being a two-time state champion so like i tell people don't don't it, it might seem like you're losing now but your ring's right around the corner man don't give up because you say that, like you, you know, you're working twenty four seven. You're training. You're thinking about fighting. You know, you're you're doing everything and anything to to get that belt. So, what's your philosophy towards diet, nutrition? You know, do you do you eat like particular foods? Do you have an off season where you just go mad yeah, and have what, your rest yeah. meals? Yeah, whenever I'm not fighting, I'm eating whatever I want. But uh, for the weight cuts and stuff. I'm locked in. I'm eating healthier month in all the way through. Just avoiding pastas and bread and stuff like that. Just taking in the right stuff. Uh, fish. Uh, I got my nuts and just everything on deck. My fruits and stuff and just lots of water. Two gallons uh, almost a day. Because you've said about like you tried to stay at the same weight roughly. You know, you're fighting shape and you're ready to go regardless. Why do you think people struggle with their weight? So, like as fighters. You know, how do you find it? Do you find it easy? Um, I just don't wait till the last moment to start. I tell every fighter to probably start your weight cut three weeks out. So what kind of work do you do to start losing that weight? Is that like um, road running with sweatsuits? Do you go into saunas with the bike? You know, do you have a kind of a tried and tested method for weight cutting? Uh, like I said, just sauna, eating better, uh, uh, water loading and just, uh, I like to just work it out, just work out, get in the sauna, do whatever I can to sweat it out instead of just being lazy. It's cause and cutting weight and working out is just going to help your cardio get even better by the time you fight. So where does the, like once you've gone on and you've, you've competed, etc. And you've gone training, you've lost the weight, etc. What other habits do you think you do that has benefited you? You know, do you do like journaling? Do you read? Do you what? What makes you the Terence that we know? Um, I'm just obsessed with the craft. I'm always watching grappling videos with some cool technique. Just bringing a uh, different stuff to the game that people haven't seen. So when you go in and training, are you going in and thinking, I'm going to have a play around here, I'm going to try this, I'm going to, you know, I don't care if I get tapped, but I'm going to go and think, I'll try a spinning back fist here, I'll try a Yeah, I'm trying everything. Uh, practice is the place to make your mistakes, so you don't have to in your fight. So where does this confidence come from? You know, like, because I love that in every interview that I've listened to, you know, you're laughing, you're joking, and you're just so, you're so honest about things. Where does your inner confidence come from? Because sometimes, like, I've, I've known friends who have had incidents and it's destroyed them. 
you've used this to go and inspire so many people. Where does this come from? Um, just uh, growing up, my mom, and it's just uh, a lot of things, just a lot of life experiences, I would say. And do you think that's something is that we, we have to go through these hardships that, you know, where it's almost like we're becoming not soft, but we we should need to keep challenging ourselves to become yeah, to find exactly. out what we're capable. Exactly. If your dream doesn't scare you, just know it's not big enough. And how have you started dealing with this transition to becoming a fighter now? You know, how do you find the media, the girls, the the attention, the interviews? Would you prefer just to be fighting? Or, you know, how do you deal with all that commitment now? Um I'm always willing to help people on their podcast, you know, because like I want to see you guys grow too. Because uh, you you putting your stuff on the line, putting money into this, so I want to see you guys get big with whatever dream you're chasing as well. So I just give everyone their time, you know. It's if if I can, you know, I try to give back to the community or to the podcast people to anyone, you know. Because in my eyes, God told us we're all family, so you're my brothers and sisters, so. If I can help you guys out, um, I will. And how would you like to help people? What's the sort of the Terence brand? If you had to look at a way, you know, how would you like to inspire and help people going forward? Just by sharing my testimony, uh, speaking at high schools, um, just being willing to answer questions that people aren't willing to. Just being, just being there to talk to people if they need to text or needing some advice, be there for them. And where do you think young kids go wrong? You know, is there like, if they were going on a journey where they were maybe sliding down the wrong path, is there something that you kind of notice that you think, okay, I'm going down and I need to change here? Or what what could kids look for or use as a kind of, you know, would they use your, your story as a changing point? Um, just set your pride aside. And if something bothers you, that person said, it's probably something you need to hear. You should take that advice and look to be better because in a certain moment, you're going to realize those people are right. And you're like, dang, I should have just listened. So don't wait to listen. Listen now to your elders, to your coaches, to your mom, to whoever's that, that person, that, that father, mother figure to you in your life. I just love how like you're you're into your early twenties, and you've got a viewpoint that a lot of people only discover when they're like fifty or sixty. You know, you're you've realized that like pride and ego doesn't get us anywhere. What do you think makes us good men? You know, what do you think? What's your definition of masculinity? Um, a good man is uh, a person that loves his family loves his significant other, a person that's going to uplift his brothers and help them win and not be selfish and only looking out for yourself, not cutting corners, just being a leader and a person someone can talk to. And what, what are you most proud of in your life? Um, finally be able to make my mom proud and my siblings. I love that. And say you had a kid just now and they were going down that path. 
what you know, or they wanted to go into the UFC example. What would your opinion be in that situation? Um, I'll support them, you know, and I'll just tell them what it costs to get there and what sacrifices they need to make, and say, "Are you willing to do this?" And if you are, I'm gonna support you 110 percent throughout your whole journey, whatever you need. Now, but you gotta this is be something- willing to give 110 percent. That's awesome. Well, I've got um, some fast break questions. Now, these are questions that I throw out and, I, you know, I just use them as sort of prompts. So if you just say back what comes into your mind. So if you had to close your eyes and think back to your childhood, what meal that your mom made sums up childhood for you? Uh, I would say her pork chops and gravy and rice meal. Blessing. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, I could have that just now. What's your favorite podcast? Do you know? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, sometimes I I like the Joe Rogan podcast. And is there a particular film, a band, or a song that you know that you would just listen to and continuous loop that just gets you primed up and ready? Yeah, talking to my skill by Young Dolph good choice and what's a guilty pleasure of yours you know like what's something that you you still do now that you know it's bad for you is it like eating ice cream is it having a few beers like when you're not training i would say beating my meat i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) we all do that man we all do that (laughs) i'm 24 7 on that i'm telling you (laughs) i gotta get my testosterone on the right Stop being addicted to porn for sure. What's your opinion then about having sex before a fight? Do you think it's baloney or are you the kind no, of like, I agree, I man. It. I definitely be feeling my legs if I if I did a girl and I'm out there training and stuff. So. And are you dating just now? Yeah. How does she feel about this journey, this like success that you've, you know, this explosion onto the scene that you have? Um, she supports me. We're a team, you know. We do everything half and half, you know. So, and what, like, what do you have in your training bag? You know, do you have like must-have things such as like, do you have a certain brand of tape that you like? A certain nah, style for of boxing me, it gloves? don't matter as long as I got gloves and shin pads. Let's get to work. I love it. So this this might be a weird question for you now. You've got five people in addition to yourself. They can be real or fake, alive or dead. This is your dream dinner party. Who are you inviting to that dinner party? Um, I'm gonna need Jay Z there, Drake. Um, who else? Who else? I'm gonna need Elon Musk there. Uh, that's three. Right, I got two more. You got two more. Dan Brazilian. And who else? You're going to leave your mom out, do you think? Or are you going to have a night with the boys? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. She's already counted on the list. That's like mine. She'd be doing the cooking, like. And I'll bring my my best friend, Amjad Benjamin. And do you ever struggle? Do you ever look back at that and think, you know, that's the life that, I, I, you know, do you ever miss that life? Or are you just so now 
focused on who, the new tenants and the journey you're on now? Um, I wouldn't change any of those moments because they made me who I'm in today. So, um, no, I'll stick to where I'm at right now. And but I'm not satisfied. Like I told you guys, this is just the beginning. So the overall goal is to fight to get the championship. How like how do you start planning that long term? You know, what's your goals? Like how many fights do you think it'll take? Are you thinking of switching weight classes or you know, are you just leaving it in the hands of your coaches and just doing the work day in, day out? Um, that starts with Ferris and whatever fight they ha- have for me next. I'm just gonna take it one fight at a time and, and keep pushing myself every camp. I love it. And what message would you want people who are listening to this to take from it? You know, this is going to be like the the start of a new series. I want to inspire people and give them that kind of like these short interviews where they go, yeah, I need to go and get my training on now. I need to change my life. What in, what advice would you want people to take from this? Uh, tell them, um, trust the process. Uh, don't look for shortcuts in your journey to your dream. Um, be willing to give it all you got. Don't go half in, go two feet forward, jump in, dive in, uh, and trust in your support team around you, trust in God, and just be willing to never give up, you know? Perfect. And how can people keep in, tr- in touch with you? How can we get, you know, how can like anybody struggling get in and speak to you? How can we follow your social media? You know, like you were talking about wanting to go and speak to schools and stuff. How can people follow your journey and connect with you? Um, everyone can reach me at T Rex one fifty five on Instagram and Twitter, and T Rex ninety five on TikTok. Feel free to reach me out to me. I'll get to you as soon as I can. Well, that's it for another week, and thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.